Hello, everyone, and welcome to this month's Reading Squad. We are your hosts, Rachel and Rishmila. And this month, we're really excited to talk to you about romance and the series of events that occurred in the Romance Writers Association that have brought us the Vivian Awards. These are the new awards that replace the old Ritas. These are awards that are handed out every year for the romance community. We'll talk a little bit more about this later and what led to the Ritas being relabeled as the Vivians. But first, Rashmila, what did you read in June? So I had a weird uh, reading funk in June where I didn't read as much as I wanted. Uh, I did read a few books uh, and that was way less than what I had wanted. So uh, as per your uh, recommendation, and this is something that uh, both Rachel and I have decided, uh, everyone. So in this one, we from this month onwards, we are doing something called a book swap where uh, Rachel will recommend something which I will read and I will recommend something that Rachel will read. So I, uh, as per Rachel's recommendation, I read uh, Hood Feminism by Mickey Kendall and um, I'm still reading it right now. So it's something that I, that I haven't completed it, but whatever I've been reading, it's absolutely amazing and people should read that. Other books that I have read uh, was a collection of essays called Wow, No Thank You by Samantha Irby. So it's an it's a collection that talks about Irby turning 40, her amazing beauty gear, about loving yourself and other interesting stuff. So uh, there were parts of it which were really hilarious and parts of it which I was not very fond of, maybe because I'm not 40 as yet. The next book that I read was uh, The Dark Knight Returns, the graphic novel by Frank Miller. So it is a dystopian mm. version of Gotham City in 1986. And this was published in 1986, where Bruce Wayne, who is uh, 55 years old, has given up the mantle of Batman. And there are a group of villains called the Mutants. And again, um, I don't think it aged as well as I thought it would. So again, it was not. It was definitely not uh, an amazing book as I had expected it to be. So my expectations fell a bit low. The third book that I read was called uh, The Sober Lush, and uh, it it is basically a guide to living an amazing life, but alcohol free. And it's a book uh, by Amanda Ward and Jardine Libier. And this was something that I, I realized while I was reading is that America in general has a huge culture of just drinking. So people will meet up for not that much for lunch, but for drinks or happy hour and things like that. And this particular book talks about how you can lead an amazing life without alcohol uh, if you are sober. So how you can how you can leave a party without feeling guilty, how to navigate a business meeting where drinks may be involved how to live a grateful life, uh, how to have fun and enjoy uh, with your family and friends, but without drinking. I liked most of the suggestions that the book gave. My only concern was some of them reeked of privilege. For instance, mm. uh, one, one suggestion was that if you want to uh, really devote yourself to writing or some kind of a creative pursuit, then perhaps you can uh, book three days and three nights at a good motel. And I was like, that is definitely uh, having financial privilege so there were a couple of problematic aspects but apart from that it's still a good book 
the last book that I read and that I suggested, uh, Rachel, and that ties in with this month's theme of romance is called Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. And I found this book really, really, really amazing. And the reason why I've given three reallys, firstly, because uh, Chloe Brown, the protagonist, is uh, suffering from fibromyalgia. And one of my very close friends uh, from India has that same illness. So when I was reading that, I could completely connect to what she has told me about her illness. So firstly, uh, first really amazing because it's about uh, a protagonist who has an autoimmune disease. I don't think I've read any book that talks about that. The second really is because the woman, the because Chloe is a website designer and she makes uh, being nerdy and geeky really cool and the third really is because um, she is described as having lots of curves and she's black so that is why I would suggest that if you are thinking of reading a book which has a really interesting protagonist then Get a Life Chloe Brown is is your book to go so those were my book Rachel what did you read in June So I also read and finished Hood Feminism, uh, and it was amazing. I really liked it. I really liked how the author broke up various topics within feminism that she thinks needs to be focused on, as opposed to the very, like, almost cliche issues that we think of when we think of feminism, right? Uh, Abortion access. I mean, that being the the biggest one. You know, that's, that's very dominant by white feminism and so yeah I like the way that um, she connects so many different things mm, right. which we would not think are connected to feminism so that was something that I, I was still wrapping I'm still wrapping my head around that but yeah go ahead what else yeah about so she talks about like how like very basic needs right like housing and food medical treatment right all of these very basic things that society should provide for everyone how these issues are very feminist issues. And I loved that. I mean, I've always thought of food deserts and, you know, the need for universal health care as, as societal issues that, you know, need to be solved, but I've never really taken the lens of feminism and applied it. When you look at those issues through her lens, it really highlights how these discrepancies, right, access to food, access to affordable housing access to adequate medical care really can be seen as an issue that affects all women. So I really, I really came away with an appreciation for her contributions and, you know, critiques of white feminism and how it's not going far enough and how it just kind of keeps cycling through the same old issues, mostly, you know, mostly being abortion. Um, So I loved it. I thought it was a good book. Then my next book was I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness by Austin Channing Brown. This book, man, it was, I don't even know, I don't know if I, don't know if I have the words, but this book was like a punch to the gut with regards to how Austin Channing Brown talks to you about how white Christianity has done harm to black Christians. Because she herself is a Christian, she works in a Christian organization, and... Because she just comes out and says it. Look, it's not just white people. It's also white Christians. There's just not enough conversation around how Christianity itself has done harm to black people. 
so I found it really surprising. When I went in, I didn't know she was going to talk about Christianity at all. And that's a conversation I constantly find myself having with other people in the social justice space, that Christianity has had an impact on black people, but for some reason we don't talk about it as doing so. And so I just found her book amazing. I listened to that as an audiobook and found not only, you know, her passion for talking about these issues and really, mm-hmm. you know, listing them and talking about them head on, but also just the way in which she she narrates yes. her story and her experiences was just really profound and beautiful. And lastly, I read a short novella. It was about an hour long as an audiobook called Long Way Down by Jason Reynolds. And this book takes place in, I believe it's New York, and the main character, whose name escapes me right now, he loses his brother in a, in a gang-related shooting. And, you know, he, he learns three things from his brother. One, you don't Whoa. cry. Two, you don't snitch. And three, you take care of the issue. So he gets on this elevator, and the, the story, how it's written, the story is written in, like, verses, like, poetic, I can't remember, stanzas, thank you, poetic stanzas. The whole book is pretty much the length of an elevator ride. Oh. And as, as he passes through each of these floors, somebody gets on the elevator who has impacted his life but is dead because of gun violence. So his brother gets on... Uh, other family members that he knows that have died due to gun violence get on, and they all try to, like, talk to him and explain to him what the real story is behind his brother's killing and behind, you know, the rules that he has always been taught. And so eventually he doesn't go and he doesn't seek revenge when he gets to the bottom floor. But it's a very telling story about, you know, the rules that we think we have to abide by in order to survive. So it's a really, really beautiful story. Maybe beautiful is not the right word, but it was a really profound story. It was a very, yeah, it was a very powerful story. I really enjoyed it. Okay. For sure. Yeah, that that sounds sure. definitely uh, relevant, I think. Uh, because with gun violence, they usually have a very cliched image of people, um, of how they look, how they behave. But this, this I think, puts a light on other aspects of and gun violence. I've, you know, I've read a few, I've read one other Jason Reynolds book, and I found this one to be really enjoyable. I'm glad I listened to it as an audiobook. The first time I saw it, I picked it up in the library and was like, hmm, I don't think I want to read this. But I'm glad that I went back to it because it, because it is, just as you said, a very powerful story. Uh, before we go on to the different uh, things that are happening in the, in Romance Landia. Is That's that correct? correct? Yes. Yep. Okay. Before we go on to Romance Landia, uh, we'll just have a quick update on our buddy read that we had. We finally completed reading uh, The Priory of the Orange Tree by Samantha Shannon. And I loved it because it had dragons, because it had uh, queens and princesses and uh, kick-ass heroines and yeah dragons and badass heroines are the only reasons why I enjoyed it but I also like the fact that it is a standalone epic fantasy book like it's not a series the whole story is neatly tied up so uh, Rachel comments questions about uh, Priory of the Orange Tree and I loved it um so in chapter 22 we see like essentially the wedding of Queen Sab- Sabine. Sabine. Yeah. So we see her yes. wedding. And I don't know, Rashmila, I think you know that I'm engaged. Yes. So I was reading this chapter and I was like, man, 
I think I want to incorporate some aspects of this ceremony that the author writes in such detail yes. that, you know, you can really understand how the whole ceremony happens from beginning to end. And I'm like, this sounds, yes. this sounds like what I want for my own ceremony. This sounds awesome. Nice. I did go and buy a tiny uh, stone dragon oh. and a tiny stone elephant uh, after completing oh, the Oh, nice. Yeah, I was like, I need them. Yeah. I just mailed my copy to a to a minister friend of mine who really likes fantasy. So, and then I highlighted, I used a, a sticky note and I said, pay attention to chapter 22 because I think I want to incorporate <laughs> these things into my wedding. <laughs> I mean, I just thought, I thought it was nice. so good. Um, it was a great book. I thought, you know, that Tane and... The other Eid. Eid? Yes. Eid. Eid. Yes. I mean, I thought that they were both really well done characters. And I was surprised how well the author kind of moved the story of these two characters when they finally meet yes. from, you know, people who don't really trust each other but have to come together for a common goal yes. to people who are at the end kind of friendly towards each other, who have kind of yes. created this understanding of appreciation for each other's culture. Yes. Yes. That was another aspect that I liked was that they were they weren't like super buddy friendly with each other at the end mm -hmm. but it was not a hostile relationship either i mean usually we read books where it's either they are completely buddy chummy kind of a thing or they hate each other but this was like a good right. balance right um of the two i really loved this book i think it was a great selection it was a little bit longer than what i'm used to yes i am proud of both for of sure us. it was good <laughs> yeah i agree with the length and i'm very proud of ourselves that we chose that book so, uh, Rachel, uh, can you tell me and our listeners a bit about the about the awards and Romance Landia and what it, and why is that important? Why should sure. we know about so, that? Sure. Um, so, you know, last episode we talked about racism within our culture and in our society, specifically as it applies to American society. And so, I thought it was important to talk about racism as it applies to the yes. book community. And so a great example of what this looks like occurred just this past December with this big blowout that happened in the Romance Writers Association. So the, you know, too long didn't read version of this or TLDR um, is that back in December, the ethics committee of the Romance Writers Association gets together and they decide that this author, Courtney, right, Courtney Milan um, will be uh, suspended and told that she can't uh, take a leadership role within the Romance Writers Association. And this all comes about because she calls out racism and white supremacy within the Romance Writers Association and within the larger book community. And so somebody mm -hmm. points out that a book that was written in 1999 by a white author made racist stereotypes in in its portrayal of the main characters and so you know milan talks about this she talks about how you know writing chinese characters as being demure and quiet and um submissive mm -hmm. goes is just a general stereotype that a lot of white americans have related to what chinese people are like and so you know twitter kind of just blows up with this hashtag, I, hashtag I stand with Courtney. 
And there's a real conversation around racism within the Romance Writers Association and, you know, how authors of color are um, kept from publishing opportunities and being published in the first place. And so a lot of people start to withdraw their entries, their the books that they've contributed yes. to be judged in their annual the Romance Writers Association's award ceremony, also referred to as the Rita's. And so judges drop out and authors drop out and various people just kind of, you know, start to say, like, this isn't okay. We really need to talk about, you know, how racism permeates this association and this agency. All of that kind of happens Various leadership positions start to fall away. They want to get as far away from this as possible. The president at the time, Damon Swede, he leaves. He he quits as the, the president-elect. The Romance Writers Association eventually decides to cancel the Ritas for 2020 altogether, which would usually take place in July. They kind of go into this time period of thinking about what the romance the romance writers association should look like how we can bring in more authors of color to ensure that white authors are not the predominant authors within this space so fast forward a couple of weeks ago probably about a month ago the romance writers association decides to announce that the Ritas will now be named the Vivians. The Vivians are so appropriately named because one of the Romance Writers Association's founders was Vivian mm-hmm. Stevens. And so mm-hmm. they've kind of renamed this very problematic award after one of its founders. Now, Vivian Stevens is a Black author. These are just kind of the steps that, you know, the Romance Writers of America is taking to kind of correct its injustices in the way it knows how. In the Vox article that we'll post in the show notes, where we usually list our books as well, there's an article that really kind of asks the question, like, what is underneath all of this? You know, the author in this article makes the argument that the real question that we should be asking is, how do we tell stories about people from marginalized communities, right? Should white authors, for instance, write stories about, let's say, people from India, right? Even even if the author themselves is white, can they or should they tell those stories? Is it it theirs to tell? You know, and so there's this question of how much room within the fiction genre do people have to write about other cultures and other races? For me personally, um, after you sent me the things about Romancelandia and this whole controversy about about Courtney Milan, um, it just seems uh, very mm, much of a tokenism, right? Where they are like, oh, "Okay, we have messed up very badly. Uh, we should do something so that we still manage to sell books and get authors and have conferences and have awards." So let's do it on this author who is black and who was one of the founders. And again, I might be completely like way off because I don't have that much of a knowledge of this whole thing as you do, but that's my two cents. And I think like one of the recent things that I can think about, which is slightly similar, not completely similar to Romancelandia, is uh, the novel American Dirt by Janine Cummins. about... 
picking and choosing certain aspects of of the whole lobbyisty and the immigration and all of that and how that became that just devolved into an issue so yeah i think it is important to uh, i think there was a hashtag on twitter once which said their story our story or their writing something like that which advocates that people of color should be allowed to talk about their stories and they should be the ones who should be given more opportunities rather than letting people of the majority have a weird very restrictive myopic perspective of the stories of the marginalized communities for sure that was a whole situation janine cummings when yes. she did when she did her i guess like maybe her book debut she had a like a a party prior to the publishing of the book and the the dinner yeah, thing, as the, like, the reception had like bricks and why with, would you uh, do that barbed wire exactly. yes yes <laughs> like why would you tone that? deaf I mean, no she also got no, her nails no. done uh, yeah. and her nails <sighs> had barbed wire on them it was yeah it was gross so there's well so this is all to kind of say that you know the book community for which you and i are very much a part is not removed yes just because we're active readers just because we're avid readers does not mean that we cannot perpetrate and act in racist ways and so i just think it's an important conversation that you know the community continue to have around right what and who is being published and what harm do these books and these stories what harm do they do when they're not published by people who are living these stories who are living these life experiences so uh moving on and i think this is uh this is good uh food for thought that as readers how can we what can we do as readers how can we assist uh this whole situation uh not just the romance aspect but just the general thing is how do we what are the ways in which we can do and this this can sure. i'm sure we can take this up for a longer discussion at some point but so moving on Rachel what are you reading currently so i am currently reading um our buddy swap so rashmila already alluded to uh the buddy swap that we're going to start doing her recommendation to me was uh get a life chloe brown and it's excellent i'm literally i'm at the end i'm like 30 minutes away from being done with this book it is phenomenal I don't know if you're aware of this, but July is uh, Disability yes. Pride Month. Oh. Yeah. So I wanted to tell you something that I'm noticing about authors of color. And so I've read a few books. I'm not, I have read these books. I'm not currently reading them right now. But I notice that authors of color who write romance novels, they often talk about people who have disabilities or mental health issues. And they really work very hard to make them the main character and to make yes. it so that their disability is front and center and not just a gimmick of the story itself. So yes. this can be seen in Get a Life, Chloe Brown, as Rashmila yes. yes. already discussed. She has fibromyalgia. Another book that I read uh, in July for this podcast uh, was Girl Gone Viral by Alicia Rye. The female character in this book has social anxiety and what's great about this book, in addition to that, is that the main male character has PTSD. So both of these characters are kind of each dealing with mental health issues. 
And then lastly, Can't Escape Love by Alyssa Cole. The cover for this book immediately tells you that one of the characters is is disabled. She's in a wheelchair. We see that on the cover. But as you read this book, you realize that she doesn't make excuses. She's very, like, upfront. These are my needs. This is what my life is about. She also has insomnia. I'm not sure if that's a disability or a mental health issue. I think it would probably be a mental health or just a general illness. Sure. Possibly not a disability. Yeah. But I mean, I just, I just thought it was so profound. I haven't read too many white authors. And so my study, my, my sample size, I guess you could say, is, is considerably small. But I think it is so important that, you know, disabled people <laughs> are represented in romance novels. You know, because not only does representation of disabled mm-hmm. people matter, but representation of people who are disabled are seen as being worthy of love on their own terms and for who they are. You know, and, mm-hmm. and Black authors really write yes. these stories as the character who is disabled have partners who are willing and able to take their considerations into account into consideration they're also seen as strong characters on their own you know without the need for a relationship you know their worth doesn't diminish because they get into a relationship so i so i'm really loving get a life chloe brown i think it's a phenomenal book yes Thank you for the recommendation because it's been really, really good. Glad that you liked it. Yeah. So as per your recommendation, I am reading Hood Feminism, as I mentioned, and and it's great. It's absolutely great. And um, I'm also reading So You Want to Talk About Race by Ichiwama Olio. And both of the books are should be mandatory reading, I think. So You Want to Talk About Race discusses different ways of talking to people and how to confront just conversations that we can have. Last book that I'm reading right now um, is similar to what you just mentioned, Rachel, about romance novels having uh, a character who may be disabled. And it's called The Kiss Quotient by Helen Huang, where uh, the main character, Stella Lane, uh, is autistic. So her favorite thing in the world is mathematics, and she has limited experience in dating. Sure. So she hires an escort called Mike uh, Fan, and that is where the fun begins. So I'm about halfway through it, and uh, because you recommend mm. audiobooks in general, I have been hearing Hood Feminism and The Kiss Quotient on an audiobook. Whoa! That's a huge deal! So uh, for, for our listeners, um, I don't like listening to audiobooks because I get distracted I need to go back and rewind and realize and rewind and it's a complete mess so I avoid audiobooks and as you may know Rachel is a huge fan of audiobooks so on her recommendation I have been listening to both Hood Feminism and The Kiss Quotient as an audiobook that's awesome oh that's great (laughs) so yeah baby steps you know, um, you know, before we end, yeah, go ahead. You know what I got into recently? I got into diamond painting. It's the weirdest. Oh. Have you heard of this? I have, I have, and I do want to start it too. I started doing it and listening to an audiobook, and it really helps me focus because diamond painting is very visual. So mm-hmm. I've been listening to uh, "Get a Life," Chloe Brown, while diamond painting. So that that's just something that helps me to like 
do the two things at once, listen to the book, have my part of the brain focus on the book itself while doing something that's, you know, very manual. It's very repetitious because you, you essentially pick up a diamond mm -hmm. with this like stick mm -hmm. pen thing and you put it on the paper. So it's like very yes. Rep yes. repetitive. Yes. Awesome. If you do, if the paintings turn out good, then our listeners might see them on our Instagram page at some point. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We'll move on to the last section. Rachel, what are your recommendations for romance? I definitely recommend Get a Life, Chloe Brown. And I recommend anything by Alyssa Cole. Mm -hmm. I've read two books of hers. I've read Can't Escape Love, which is a short novella. This is the story of a, of a young woman in a wheelchair. The main character's name escapes me. It's, it's been a few months since I've read the book. But she is a CEO and founder of a geek website. But she really struggles with insomnia. And so she connects with she connects with this young man whose voice she really likes and whose voice really helps her relax and fall into sleep. They team up to create what's called an escape room because he's, design he's designing an escape room for this conference. And so they decide to work together on this escape room in exchange for him helping her get to sleep by him just talking to her because she loves his voice that much. So it's a really great book. It was really beautifully done. And so then the next book by her uh, was a historical fiction. An Extraordinary Union? Yes, An Extraordinary Union. This is a historical fiction, and it takes place during the Civil War. And so there are two spies for the North, for the Union. And they are both embedded in the Deep South. But at the beginning of the book, these two spies, one of which is a, is a Black woman, they don't know who the other is. And so they eventually make contact as spies, and then they need to work together in order to stop the South and its plans to attack the North so that the North can eventually win the Civil War and so that they can help free the slaves uh, from the Southern oppression. And so throughout all of this very like high-intensity spycraft, these two spies fall in love. You know, and they're, Alyssa Cole really doesn't shy away from issues of race um, and issues of power dynamics. The second spy is a white male who, you know, immediately in the Southern culture, Southern society is very much respected, you know, is given all of the privilege and prestige that any white man during this time would have been given. And so there's lots of issues of do they trust each other? Does she trust him to have her best interest at heart? Does he understand how she is looked at as she is in the society, even though she is very much a free woman, and that is why she is able to spy for the Union. Mm -hmm. And so Alyssa Cole is just this amazing romance writer. She's, she's magnificent. Uh, she is coming out with her first thriller this September. I don't know the name of it yet, but I'm very excited to, to see how she moves from romance into thriller. How she, like, gen genre swaps, I guess? And then the last book I previously mentioned is called Girl Gone Viral, Alicia Rye. This is a story about a young model who's just had a very hard upbringing. Her father was very abusive. Her father was very manipulative. He used her in order to build his own career and to get rich and, you know, to, to really make the main character his cash cow. Yes. And so she eventually gets married to this young Sikh man who eventually dies. And that's where we find ourselves at the beginning of the story. And she, um, she's a widow. She's on her own. She does have a bodyguard, 
And so she kind of, because of her upbringing, has issues of trust and, you know, she has very severe social anxiety. And so, you know, she goes to this cafe and, you know, this young gentleman sits down because the cafe is very crowded. And so he sits down next to our main character and somebody sitting nearby Mm. kind of misinterprets what is happening between these two people. You know, this other customer starts to tweet what is happening at this nearby table and thinks what's happening is a meat cute. So this blows up, right? It, it blows up in the media. It blows up all over Twitter. And so the main character is very much like thrown because, you know, she's very famous. People know her as a previous model. Um, and she's very scared of what will happen if it's discovered that it's, it's her. And so she, along with her bodyguard, mm-hmm. go to this place called Yuba City in California bodyguard sweeps her away to his local to his family's farm you know and they stay there for a few days while you know this meet cute tweet twitter situation kind of blows over and throughout the story she kind of comes to the realization that she has feelings for her bodyguard and that she she really needs to you know get out in front of this whole meet cute story because it's it's being blown way out of proportion you know she's letting somebody oh, else okay. direct the story and so Throughout the story, she kind of, like, mm-hmm. learns to find her voice and learns to find her confidence while also finding love with her bodyguard. It was a great story. I loved it. I thought it was I thought it was well done, you know, because a lot of romance stories, the two characters kind of meet and they fall in love. Very rarely do you get a romance story where it's the two characters already know each other and they, they both have feelings for the other one. And so they're just kind of, like you know, playing footsie back and forth. Like, oh, does he like me? Oh, does she like me? That in itself was kind of refreshing. And so I loved it. They also, um, the character, the not the character, the author mentions that the male character is a Sikh um, and that his family, uh, the grandfather specifically, is receiving mm-hmm. this ward at this big Sikh festival in Yuba City that happens every year. So I was a little disappointed that she didn't, she didn't go into that in any real detail. And I was sitting on the edge of my seat like, tell me what happens at this festival. I want to know. I've studied, studied, mm-hmm. I guess is the wrong word. I don't know. I've like studied Sikhism when I was younger in my early 20s. I've studied lots of religions. I, I, I think I've mentioned previously on this podcast that I've also studied the Amish culture because I went through an Amish romance phase. So when she like mentioned Yuba City, I was like, oh, cool. I want to know what happens at this festival. So I was a little disappointed she didn't bring that up. But this was a second book in her series. So I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, in her next book, maybe she'll talk about it in more depth. That would be really cool. So those are my books. Those are my romance recommendations. While I was searching for romance uh, novels, I realized that I don't read much of romance novels, just generally. But Mm. I do read books which are, uh, which do focus on relationships and family drama and often there are other books which might have a romance subplot so my recommendations are would be slightly different than yours Rachel so my first recommendation is definitely uh, get a life Chloe Brown like just read that it's it's an amazing book my second recommendation and this is a nice happy one would be uh, one day in December by Josie Silver where the main character Laurie spots a handsome guy through a bus window in London and their eyes meet and it's love at first sight and it's amazing but she does not find him 
So it's just one site and they don't and she doesn't find him. So after a year of searching, uh, she finally is introduced to her best friend, Sarah's new boyfriend, Jack. And it's the same person whom she had fallen in love with. So it, it has it brings up interesting ideas on whether she should tell her best friend and Jack remember her or not. And it's told from both the perspectives of Jack and Sarah. Sorry, of it's it's told from both the perspectives of Jack and Laurie. So I liked it. Um, I read it, in fact, during last December. So it's a nice uh, Christmassy story. It's a cutesy Christmassy story. I liked it. My next recommendation is uh, Pride and Prejudice and Other Flavors by Sonali Dev. And it is a retelling of uh, Austin's Pride and Prejudice, where, where there is a huge element of Bollywood. But it's set in San Francisco. And it is about this neurosurgeon called Trisha Rajay, whose family is Indian-American royalty, where like her grandfather or her father was literally a part of uh, Indian royalty. And uh, she falls in love with this chef called DJ Kane, who was born in London to Anglo-Indian and Rwandan parents. So this book thankfully tackles a lot of race issues, a lot of privilege issues. And it's not just uh, funny. I mean, it is obviously there are parts which are hilarious. But at the same point of time, I like the way that Dave portrays race identity in the guise of a romance retelling. So definitely, I mean, that I would definitely recommend that. For darker romances with relationship troubles and sometimes happy or intriguing endings, uh, I would suggest a book called Windward Heights by Marissa Conde. And this is a slightly older novel. And it is a retelling of Wuthering Heights. It's set um, on the island of Guadalupe. And it gives a Creole identity to Kathy and Heathcliff. So again, this uh, retelling or resetting mm. of Wuthering Heights um, is as is every bit as tragic and serious and uh, heart wrenching and powerful as the original Wuthering Heights, but with added layers of race and identity. And the last one I would recommend again, semi love story, but nice is uh, called uh, The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo by Taylor Jenkins. Oh my God, I want to read this book so bad. <laughs> well, that can be your next uh, recommendation then, like the buddy recommendation book swap thing. So it is, it stars um, the old uh, Hollywood, Hollywood star Evelyn Hugo. When uh, she turns 79, she decides to give a final interview to, a, to an unknown journalist called Monique Grant. And uh, the author Reed mentions that Hugo was loosely based in parts on uh, the actresses uh, Elizabeth Taylor and Ava Gardner. I enjoyed this book. Evelyn does have seven husbands and it talks a lot about relationships, but it mm. also talks about the relationship that you have with yourself. At that point of time, at old, in, during old Hollywood, you could not mm -hmm. be queer in any way. You could not be gay in definitely not have any kind of a non-straight identity. Hugo uh, in the book leads a double life where she has straight husbands, but she has uh, a partner, a lesbian partner, who, who is also an actress. So I liked the way that Jenkin Reads puts these uh, identities, sexual identities in play. And uh, I also... and. I will not give out any spoiler, but I liked the ending also where 
we finally get to know why Hugo decides to give this final interview to Monique and not to someone famous. So Mm. those are my recommendations. And uh, we will definitely put all our recommendations in the episode notes as well as on social media. And if you buy the books from our bookshop link, then we will get 5% or 10% of the sale. So uh, we just wanted to let you know that. But yeah, anything else, Rachel, that I'm missing out? So I wanted to tell you about a book I bought this morning called okay. A Bollywood Affair. Okay. Who is the author? Sanal. I posted. Uh, let me look it up. Thank you. Oh, it's by Sanali Dave. It's the same uh, author who wrote uh, Pride and Pre- Pride, Prejudice and Other Flavors. So I bought this book entirely based on the cover. I love the blue sari. I love the color. Blue is one of my favorite colors. So I just... I just picked up this book and I bought it. It's like $10, <laughs> the paperback. So let's hope it's a really good book. But, but so I'm really excited to read that. So that'll be, I'll talk about that on the next episode. So I will try to see if I can get that. I'll probably um, read that, uh, even though you are recommending it only based on the cover. Yeah, we'll see. And if it's good, it's good. And if it's not, it'll just be like, we don't trust Rachel ever again. <laughs> hopefully uh, a bollywood affair would be a good book to read and uh, we are planning to celebrate world indigenous people's day for the month of august uh, stay tuned for that and we'll see you next month uh, this is your hosts R- uh, rashmila and rachel saying goodbye and take care bye-bye happy reading y'all